Bethlehem a little over 2,000 years ago on a cold night, a young, newly married, Mary and Joseph, entered the town on their way back to Joseph's hometown because of the order of the emperor, the Caesar, uh, Caesar Augustus. The census was being taken and everybody had to go back to their hometown and that's where Joseph was from. They had just finished a long journey from Nazareth and they were looking for a place to stay because Mary was about to go into labor. You can imagine them going through the town and they're trying to find somewhere for them to stay but everywhere is closed and over the course of that evening people kept pointing to different places and finally someone made available a stable at the edge of town and that's where our savior was to be born. Just outside of town on a hillside, the Bible tells us at the exact same time, a host of angels appeared to some shepherds that night as they were tending to their sheep. The angels told them about the coming Messiah, the savior to be, that was to be born, and, and, and these are, are Jewish shepherds, and they know what this means. The long-awaited prophesied about Messiah is coming, and the angels are telling them you will be the first witnesses of this. So then the, the shepherds go into Bethlehem. They find the Savior wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. The greatest gift the world would ever see. 2 Corinthians 9.15 says this. Thanks be to God for his gift, the gift that goes beyond what words can say. Thanks be to God for his gift. Are you guys excited about the greatest gift of all time today? Thanks be to God. Well, I wanna welcome you to our Christmas Eve services here at Citizen Church. My name is Dustin Woodward, and I'm the pastor here, um, if we have not met. And again, we're honored that you took the time to be here today. I wanna talk about this greatest gift and the true meaning of Christmas. But I wanna ask the question, how do we truly experience the true meaning of Christmas? The first way is this, by anticipating the gift. Anticipating the gift. Uh, This is for kids only. Kids, how many kids are in the room and you guys are just unbelievably excited and you are just can't wait for your gifts tomorrow morning? Can I hear you guys cheer? A lot of adults. All right. The adults are, are, are uh, yeah, looking forward to it more than the kids. <laughs> you know, I, I love that about Christmas time, though, the anticipation and the buildup. I'm, I'm a horrible gift giver because if I buy things two or three weeks early, they get the present two or three weeks early. I can't hold on to it because the anticipation is too much. I, I'm just like I was when I was a little kid, and now it's not so much for what I'm getting, but for what I'm giving. I love watching the kids open up presents, but it's not just for this Christmas Day, today in the present, that we anticipate Christmas. All of history and all of creation longed for and anticipated the very first Christmas day. That when Jesus would come in the form of a baby and grow up to be a man, that was the crux of all of human history. That's what creation and all of history was waiting for. When you look back into the Old Testament in the Bible, there are over 300 prophecies that Jesus has fulfilled and is still fulfilling today. Over 300, 324 to be exact. 
When you think about these prophecies looking forward and they're anticipating the coming Messiah before Jesus was born, you, you think about these and some of them, take, take for instance the star, the famous star that the wise men followed from the east all the way to Jerusalem and then Bethlehem. When you think about this star, the star was actually a prophecy going back to Numbers 24, 17. Numbers 24, 17 says this, I look into the future and see the nation of Israel. A king like a bright star will arise in that nation. What many people don't know is that Daniel, the famous prophet, when he rose up into the ranks of Babylon as a Jewish man, the Bible tells us he became a magi. So the Magi in the New Testament that are following the star to Jerusalem were taught all the way back from the scrolls of Daniel and they were looking for the star because Daniel was telling them about the Old Testament prophecies. The prophecy was fulfilled in Matthew chapter two. We look at the story and it says, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star, this is the wise men talking, in the east at its rising and have come to worship him. Another prophecy is Jesus's name, his name. You go back to Isaiah chapter seven, 700 years before the birth of Christ. And Isaiah seven says this in verse 14, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Listen carefully, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and she will call him Emmanuel, God with us. This prophecy was fulfilled in Matthew chapter one when the angel appeared to Joseph. It says, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said to the prophet who was Isaiah. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means, which means God with us. Explicit fulfillment. I'm gonna give you one more. We're not going through all 300. Also, let's take a look at his birthplace, Bethlehem. This was prophesied in Micah chapter five, starting in verse two. It says this, but you Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me, one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. He will shepherd his flock. The fulfillment of this, we know Jesus was born in Bethlehem, but can also be found in Matthew chapter two. King Herod asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written, referencing the prophecy, but you Bethlehem in the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. These are three of the 324. There was a fascinating study that a college did, Westmont College did a few years ago. A professor out of this college wanted to create the odds, a mathematical equation to try to figure out how it was possible if you either believe that Jesus is the savior or not. A lot of their students were on both sides. There were 12 different classes involved in this study. There were 600 students involved in this study and they wanted to figure out even if Jesus tried to manipulate the prophecies of the Old Testament for himself to fulfill them, which it's very hard to manipulate where you're born, just so you know, they wanted to figure out the odds of someone fulfilling all 324 prophecies that he did already fulfill. And what they found, and they even submitted all of their research to the American Scientific Affiliation to check all of their numbers, 
And this is what they found out. The odds, they couldn't even do all of them because it's too crazy, but the odds of just eight of the 324, this is what they found, one in 10 to the 17th power odds. They said that would, the odds of that are someone walking out of here today and a satellite falling from outer space would hit someone. Those are the odds of eight. That's not gonna happen to anybody in Jesus' name. <laughs> of just eight. But they're like, well, let, let's just take this a little bit further. The odds of all of them, it, you can't even create a mathematical equation around that hardly. But then they went to 48 of the prophecies. If 48 of the prophecies, it was one in 10 to the 157th power. Just 48. And this is conservative because they were actually including in the problem Jesus trying to manipulate the prophecies. And this is still the number that they came up with. And what I see when I see these types of things and the odds and what Jesus really came to do, what I see is an intentional God who strategically stepped into time and space, ordaining everything under his sovereignty so mankind could have a savior who fulfilled all of the prophecies from the Old Testament. Are you guys grateful for that? So anticipation on one hand is all of history and all of creation. We're anticipating Jesus, the greatest gift of all. But what's interesting is it's not just history and creation that anticipate Jesus. It's also us, our souls, whether we're conscious of it or not. We as people, our greatest desire as human beings is this longing that we have is to achieve perfect fulfillment peace in our lives, and a sense of wholeness and home that so many people strive to achieve in life, but the Bible tells us can only be found in the person of Jesus Christ. So many people aren't conscious of the fact that we are longing and anticipating the day we receive the gift of Jesus. The book of Romans tells us in chapter one that every single person, every single person that's ever lived deep down knows there is a God. You walk outside and look at the world, the universe, the perfect alignment, and you have the choice of chance or an author and creator. And the Bible says that we deep down, even though we may not acknowledge it or we might be fighting it, deep down every person knows and senses there is something beyond this life and there's an author to it all. We're longing. And what I wanna tell you today is the greatest gift is still available for you and your greatest longings for peace and wholeness, your longings for fulfillment and purpose. It's not another person who's going to give you that. It's not a future marriage, it's not a different marriage, it's not a new job, it's not even Christmas morning, kids. It is only found in Jesus. That is when we have fulfillment and harmony and wholeness in our lives. Jesus actually talked about this too in the New Testament. He walked up one day to this famous story in John chapter four, it's called The Woman at the Well. And Jesus is in Samaria, and he walks up to this woman who's drawing water out of this well, and Jesus uses water to illustrate the point that I'm making. He ends up having a conversation with her and saying, the water you're drawing from, when you drink that, you're going to be thirsty again. And he has this conversation, and this is what he says uh, to the woman at, at the well. Jesus answered her, if you knew the, I love this wording, gift of God, and who it is that asks you for a drink, 
you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The Bible calls Jesus the living water, the bread of life. And everything in this life that we take in will only cause us to hunger again. But when we drink the living water, when we take the bread of life, no matter what circumstances happen in our lives, life has, still has the roller coaster, but we sense this sturdy, everlasting peace and wholeness because I am made whole in Jesus Christ. Only when we recognize that our souls are anticipating the gift will our hearts be open to receive the gift. So I'm gonna ask you the first question again. How do we experience the true meaning of Christmas? The second way is by understanding the gift. Understanding the gift. So one of, one of the funniest and most disappointing, frustrating things on Christmas morning for parents is this. When you spend a lot of money on a gift, and you know, every parent likes to think their kids are smarter than they actually are. Have you ever heard a parent go, actually, my kid is pretty dumb? No, no, no. Every, kid, every parent goes, no, my kid, you know, they're, they're different, but they are smart, right? So what we do is we'll see, we have a five-year-old, we'll see a gift that says for eight to 10-year-olds, we have a five-year-old and go, my kid will handle that perfectly, you know, because they are gifted, right? But then what happens is we can pour a lot of money and resources and save up for this gift, and there's nothing funnier and more frustrating than when a kid opens a gift on Christmas morning and they see the gift, and then the box is sitting next to it, but they don't fully understand the gift, and when they don't understand the gift, they end up playing with the what? The box. And you're looking at them going, that's five cents, and that was $150. And they're playing with the box. You're not mad at them, but deep down, what you desire most is for them to understand that so they can make the most of the gift because they're only playing with a shell, the picture of what could be. And when I think about this, I think about us. There are so many people who think they have a grasp on Christianity, but they're playing with the box, the shell of what could be when the real thing is right there. Because this has the picture but many people, well-intentioned, will say things like this. I'm just not an organized religion person. I'm not a church person. Well-intentioned, not with a bad attitude. I, I just, I don't know, I mean, I believe in God. Yes, I know Jesus might be the savior. I, I've heard that before. I mean, I, I'm good, I believe in God, I'm good. Because what we do is we view church as bondage. We view religion as bondage, and it is. That's why Jesus came not to lift up religion, but to tear it down and, and institute a new way of living through relationship with him. It's not, it's not about all the formalities. Church is meant to bless you and enrich your life. And so what I'm saying today is this, so many people, because they think the gift is one thing, come over here and just play with the box. And we find ourselves saying, well, it just isn't working for me. I don't know if God is even there. I, I, I just, you know, the church thing, I, I don't know because we don't get the fulfillment because we're still with the box. And I wanna encourage you today with this. 
When it comes to understanding the gift, here's what we have to understand. The gift is the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news. When it comes to understanding, I promise you this, you could be the most staunch atheist in the room. You could be someone that's here today, but you only came because your Christian friend pestered you for three weeks to come to this Christmas Eve service, and you're here, welcome. We're glad you're here, but this is what I want you to understand. If you have been told that Christianity puts you in chains, let me tell you, Jesus came to break chains, not to put them on. It is not about bondage, it's about freedom. It's about wholeness. It's about being in union with God. Here is what we have to understand that the God of the universe, because we were separated from him, a holy God because of sin, the God of the universe chose to step into time and space through Jesus Christ, giving his one and only son, according to John 3, 16, to be born of a virgin. Why to be born of a virgin? Because in order for Jesus to be the perfect sinless sacrifice, he would have to bypass the imperfect sinful man and go straight to the womb of a woman. Jesus was born, but understand this, Jesus didn't step into this life as a baby. He stepped into this world as an embryo. He went through every process of humanity. He was developed in his mother's womb. He was born, he was raised as a child, maintaining his perfection, overcoming temptation. He preached and he taught and he healed and he did miracles. And then he went to the cross as the perfect sacrifice because we were destined to go there ourselves because of our sin. But Jesus in his perfection was the willing sacrifice, not the imprisoned sacrifice. Jesus at any moment, at any moment, could have broken the chains that were on him, could have called down every angel of, from heaven to rescue him, but every whip, every beating he took, the nails and the cross, he stayed and he was willing for me and for you. The gospel is that Jesus, when he died on the cross, our sin died with him on the cross. And what makes Easter so amazing is he didn't stay dead, he came back to life. He came back to life, which means this. My sin, if I call in the name of Jesus as my savior, my sin and guilty verdict stays dead because he conquered sin and released the claim of sin and guilt on my life. I am free because of Jesus. That's all we have to understand. You understand that the moment you say, Jesus, I'm tired of fighting you. I'm tired of being halfway. I'm going all in. The moment you go all in and say, forgive me of my sins, I'm in, is the moment you can, that's the only moment you can understand true love from God. That's the moment lives change. But we have to understand the gift and not only the gift of salvation to one day get to heaven, but also the gift of purpose for our lives right now. Right now. The gospel isn't only a story about what will happen to us one day. It's a story about what God wants to do in your life today. It's not about one day. God wants to bring purpose and abundant life now, but also grant us eternal life forever. The abundant life now is the purpose and fulfillment that I was talking about. 
It's only through Jesus. And every, I, one of my favorite things, to I, I've loved this as a pastor. I did this all through the years of me being a youth pastor, young adult pastor. It's my favorite thing to do as a senior pastor now is to sit down with people and look them in their eyes and tell them not, God does not only have a general plan for all of humanity. He has a very specific plan and purpose individually for you. You, you are singled out by God. No matter what your past is, no matter what, who has abandoned you and forgotten about you, God has had his eye on you. He has kept you. He has brought you here today to hear this one thing. He has a plan and a destiny for your life. He wants your life to be abundant now and eternal forever. I think we can clap to that because we serve a good, good God. But we have to understand the gift. Ephesians 1.11 says this, before we were even born, God gave us our destiny that we would fulfill the plan of God who always accomplishes every purpose and plan in his heart. Understanding the gift means you understand your why. What's your why to living? Do you understand the gift? I'm gonna ask the question that I've been asking again. How do we experience the true meaning of Christmas? Thirdly, by unwrapping the gift unwrapping the gift. Luke chapter two, 11 through 12 says this. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. When, when I think about this, again, this is when the angels are talking to the shepherds. Here on Sunday last week, my, my dad preached and he talked about the shepherds that day and I was sitting on the front row thinking and wondering this, what was the walk like from the hillside to the stable? Because sometimes we, we go through this so much and hear the Christmas story so much, you, you lose the, the feeling of being there in the story. Imagine being the shepherds. An angel, supernatural host of angels just told you the Messiah that everyone's been talking about in the world has just been born. And you start walking and going, why, why, why are they telling us? You're asking people in Bethlehem. The only clue they gave them was wrapped in swaddling clothes. You're walking through Bethlehem. Have you heard about a woman who might've given birth tonight and there were rumors and people pointing to different locations and finally, at the end of that road, they're walking up, and if you put yourself in this story, can you imagine the feeling of that moment? You see the stable door, and you're walking up. I imagine tears streaming down my face, my heart pounding, thinking, what am I about to see? Who is this baby wrapped in swaddling clothes? When you think about that moment as the shepherds approach that stable door, and the anticipation, the understanding, and now this receiving moment that this is in fact the savior. I love this quote from Ralph Sockman. It says this, the hinge of history is on the door of a Bethlehem stable. All of history swings on that door, but not all of history only. Our eternity swings on that door. You know, I, I think there's a time in everyone's life where God will bring you to that figurative, stable door and tell you who's inside. 
But what I love about God is he doesn't just fling the door open, force you to go in and worship. He says, that's the savior, the key to abundant and eternal life. He's the one who has come to rescue people from their sins. What will you do at the stable door? Will you push that door open and see what's wrapped, see who's wrapped in swaddling clothes? The answer to that question, your understanding of the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes is the key to every single part of your life. Who is wrapped in the swaddling clothes? One of my favorite passages that answers that question is Isaiah chapter nine in verse six. It says this, for, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. He is the wonder-working, miracle-working God who came to teach with wisdom and kindness on how we should live, but also how we can live forever. He is the mighty God, the author, and has the power of salvation in him. He is the everlasting father. He's the creator and author of eternity, but he's also the ultimate sense of fatherhood and home that so many people are wanting and craving in their lives. But he's also the prince of peace. He rules and reigns over everything, coming to offer us the Hebrew word for peace, shalom, which means wholeness, completeness, and fulfillment. You will not find it in anything other than Jesus. And what I wanted to tell you today is this, the gospel is that Jesus came for you. He came for you and he's the wonderful counselor, mighty God. He's the everlasting father and he's the prince of peace. So I wanna ask you this question today. When was the last time you really thought about the meaning of Christmas?
2.11 says this, today in the town of Bethlehem, a savior is born for you. He is Christ the Lord. I want you to focus in on those two words, for you. I love that it's worded like this in scripture because it shows that a personal God also personalizes his desire for you to be in relationship with him in this verse. All of this, is for you, is for you. So many people today, as we were looking at these three gifts, your soul is longing. There's an emptiness. And maybe today you're just thinking, I'm tired of it, and I want it to be filled by the only one who can fill it. Maybe in, you're in here today and you've never fully understood the gospel or maybe never went all the way in, but you know the box has had your attention, not the true gift. Or maybe today, you've never truly unwrapped the gift and have seen for yourself who is beneath those swaddling clothes. Jesus wants relationship with you. The Bible says that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. If you would bow your heads and close your eyes today, I wanna to give you the opportunity to receive Christ. And what I mean by that is when we declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says we will be saved. But there comes this day where a line is drawn in the sand and, and you just have to say, today's the day, I'm just gonna step over the line and I'm just gonna go all in with God. You will not be perfect, but you will be forgiven and the grace of God will be your partner for the rest of your life. If that's you today, I'm not gonna have you stand or come forward or anything like that today, but just right where you're seated, I am gonna ask in a moment when I count to three for you to lift your hand. And that's only for me to know who I'm praying with. And I also just believe when we do something in the physical to show what's happening in the spiritual, it, it moves us to a deeper place. So if you're here today and you're thinking, I, I really do today want to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, receive the forgiveness of sin, abundant life now, and eternal life forever. On the count of three, just lift your hand right where you're at. One, two, three. Thank you. Keep them up just for a second. I just wanna see who I'm praying for. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Awesome, thank you guys. Thank you, thank you. What I love about these moments is, is there's every age, every walk of life, every generation. What I love about the Christmas story is that angels appeared to the shepherds and a star appeared to the wise men. The wealthiest at the top, the wise men, and the shepherds were at the very bottom of the totem pole of society. And God says, I'm here for everyone, but he's here for you. 
I'm gonna pray. And as I pray, if you raised your hand today, I want you to make this prayer your own and not just listen to mine and know that it's not a prayer that saves you. It's a declaration from your heart, knowing that I'm a sinful person and I need a savior. Why do I need a savior? To save me from my sin. That's what the angel said Jesus came to do, but also he's Lord of my life. He is savior and Lord. So as I pray, I want you to make this prayer from your heart and receive Jesus Christ today. Father, we thank you so much again. Just like John 3:16 said, you loved us so much that you sent your son. And Jesus, right now, we're calling on your name, just like your word says. And we believe in our hearts that you are alive and you are not dead. And what relationship with me? Forgive me of my sins. Make me new today. I know I won't be perfect, Jesus. I know that, but I'll be forgiven. I wanna be whole. I don't want the emptiness anymore. I want peace. I want fulfillment and purpose in my life. Come into my life, Jesus, and make me new. We thank you, and in Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said, amen.